message for today is coming out of Oswald is uh, May 16th is the one he took me to today and it's talking about the habit of wealth sometimes we get in such a spot that we want to beat ourselves up for all the things we've done wrong or for doing anything wrong even in one thing and we forget about the riches and the glory of Christ Jesus. We forget that when we are weak, he is strong. When we are poor, he is rich. We have all these uh, uh, attributes that are applied to our life as we become hidden in Christ. As we decide to serve him and love him and become like him and we become one with him, Everything that is his becomes ours. Therefore, we ought to live in such a way that we understand that all things are ours. There's scriptures that back that up. Today, I want to talk more about this whole concept of what is this habit, but how do we get into that habit? Doesn't do me any good to tell you what you got and wealth of Christ if you can't figure out how to get the habit to get there. So in, in essence to the, the scriptures that we're, gonna, we're studying here, we've got to find this track to run down to be in the right place for the right reason at the right time and that we have to have this habit that means we repeat it again and again until it becomes our second nature to us. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we, we swear that we get by by the skin of our teeth that... You know, it's 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 a it's a almost an insult to God and His anointing. It's an insult to God and His blessings and His miracles, because we still live by what we think and what by who we are, and somehow or another, yes, there's miracles and yes, there's there's anointing and yes, there's you know blessings, but you know we don't get many because we're not you know we're not very good or we're not any good at doing doing what we're doing. God says, I need you to get in the habit of the fact of the wealth. And remember one, one thing only. I have no respect for persons. If it's one's got it, y'all got it. And then you look at somebody that's anointed and go, wow, they got a lot. And he's going, yeah, and so do you. That cat just knows how to use it. Only difference. He's applying it in his everyday life. He's counting on it, anticipating it. Expecting God to show up. So we have a habit of wealth. Partakers of, I said this morning in the Glenn Jacksons, his divine nature. So we're going to have his nature in us. We have his nature through the, 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 the anointing that runs through him as we become like him. We have his nature coming through us in, 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 in all aspects where he makes a way where there is no way through his grace. We have his nature when he comes and says, hey, that was an oops. I'm going to give you mercy for that oops because I know that's not who you really are. So he, he, he is speaking to and ministering to his nature in us. And sometimes we can't get out of our selfish way to, to stop blaming ourselves or believing it, it's our problem and, you know, we got to fix this, we got to fix that. And when I finally get this right, then I'll be ready for God. And it's like God's like, you were ready, you were ready a long time ago. We just haven't decided to actually act that way, right? Yes. 
We're made partakers of this divine nature through the promises. Well, interestingly enough, God's promises are all true. So the divine nature has been ours since he gave it to us. And he gave it to us when he sent the Holy Spirit down here that was brought as a comforter in light of the, the resurrection of his son. So who is not available or accepted? Only those that don't receive it. Only those that don't walk in it, right? But once they're there, we have to manipulate the divine nature and our human nature by habits. We have to form a habit of remembering whose we are. That this circumstance seems out of control, we've got to remember him. We've got to remember how he's going to show up. And the first habit to form is the habit of realizing the provisions that God has made. Paul talks about, I've been learning how to be content in any given situation I'm in. Now you think that he's just, he, he's out there gritting his teeth and gutting it out to be content? No. He's learning to realize that even if there's only a fish and a, and a piece of bread, God wants to multiply it to feed 5,000 people he can. So my sufficiency isn't by what I see or what I know or what I understand. It's by the grace of the divine influence of God. So my sufficiency now is based on his grace working through my life. As it abounds more and more because I start reacting and becoming habitual about finding myself in his grace, in his grace, in his grace. Doing what's necessary to be there. First habit to form is the habit of realizing the provision God has made. Oh, I can't afford it, we say. One of the worst lies is tucked up in that phrase. It is ungovernably bad taste to talk about money in the natural domain. People talk about how much money they make and how all this all works out. And so it is also spiritually. What do we got compared to what he got? He created the whole thing. It all belongs to him, right? We want to go down the street and talk about, well, this car or this house or this thing, you know, that we've got. We want to, we want to make a big deal about the money. You know, I don't, I don't know how you'd ever put the earth on a scale, uh, a balanced scale to realize what its value is. Um, then I guess we could just want up and start putting the rest of the planets there, right? You know, and maybe, maybe there's a Jupiter, the great big one. We put Jupiter on there and all of a sudden the scale. So we, he's, he's got that as part of his riches. And by the way, if it's part of his riches, whose riches is it also? Ours. And then there's the sun, which is incredibly bigger than any of the planets, right? Because the planets are just a little bitty, you know, BBs flying around this all great big sun. And then our sun is like nothing compared to all the great big, 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 big suns or stars, right? And he owns them all. They're all in one hand, 36 trillion light years in the palm of his hand. That's this. And we're worried about, oh, but I don't know if I will pay my rent this month or not. He's going, really? Get right with me and watch me do something. Watch me make a way. Watch me influence things. But he doesn't want you to come with him on a consistent 911 basis. He wants you to come to him, period. So he can make that way, but that way sticks. So he provides for you. 
it's also ungovernably bad taste to talk about money in the spiritual realm. Yet we talk as if our Heavenly Father has cut us off without a shilling. We think a sign of real modesty, humility, is to talk about how we just barely got by. That way we're not, well, I don't want to sound cocky, you know. I, want to, I don't want to admit that God's given me more than I could, you know, even needed. So I'm just going to try to minimize this so I sound humble. Which immediately corrupts it and makes it about who? Yourself. You, right? I'd rather say my God provides all of it and no one can understand it, especially me. I've, I've got everything I could ever want, need, or desire. Why? Because I belong to Him. And He shows me how that works. And He ministers to me in those situations. And I always have more than enough. Not just more enough for me, but more enough to cover this family. This family's got more enough to cover many other families. The, there, there's many other families that are with us. We get to cover many other uh, uh, ministries. We get to do a lot of things that most people don't get to do all because I trust in the fact that God's finances are are available to me for the glory of God. As long as what I'm doing is glorifying God, He's He's there. If it's His bill, if it's His will. I mean, it's His bill, right? So it's a quick a quick lesson to learn. We always want to say, "Oh well, I have just got through, but it's been a severe tussle." And all the Almighty God is ours in the Lord Jesus. We have it all. And he will tax the very last grain of sand. He'll tax the most remotest star to bless us if we'll just stand in obedience to him and quit getting caught up in it. In, you know, the biggest thing is, why, what are we doing in this equation anyway? He died as a replacement for the sins of the entire world. What part do we play in that equation? Nothing. Nothing. So if we're in that equation because that atonement is now ours, we ought to live in light of the atonement, right? Yes. But many people don't. They still live in light of their life in that atonement. Well, I don't know what life you have in the atonement. You have no life in the atonement. And if you do have a life, it's his in the atonement, not yours. Yeah. What does it matter if external circumstances are hard? Why should they not be? Isn't it that way even in the, in the natural world? Yes. If we... Give way to self-pity, though, and we indulge in the luxury of misery. I don't feel good, or I don't understand, and I know I'm tired. And we want to all be miserable, poor, poor, pitiful you. We banish God's riches from our own lives, and we hinder others from entering into His pro into His prom provision. You know why? They hear you complain and figure God's not giving it to you. And you're a good Christian. Why would He ever give it to them? If you can start living a life that, that lives out loud and lives in the blessings and the, the miracles of God, other people want to come along and give their life too because they want to get caught up in living a life that can be touched by miracles and blessings as well. But if you're not, you're not a reason of hope, you're some Debbie Downer character or something, why would they want what you got? No sin is worse than the sin of self-pity because it obliterates God and puts self-interest upon the throne. All about me, 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 me. What I got and what I don't got. If I got Jesus, I got all I need. Yeah. For everything for the rest of my life. Not for today. Forever. It opens our mouths to spit out murmurings in our lives. 
become craving spiritual sponges. We're so busy, God, always seeking another verse, another scripture, another teaching, because we're misusing the ones we have, and so we corrupt them, and what we need is we need a new fresh one, which ultimately we tend to corrupting again anyway, because we don't still know how to handle the word of God in such a way to, to like put it on like the armor of God. When God is beginning to be satisfied with us, he actually sees you're serious and you're for real. He'll impoverish everything in the nature of fictitious wealth. He'll remove all the nonsensical stuff from your life, all the things you, you considered rich before you met him. I remember, I swear, I can remember that I gave my life to Christ six months. I'm praying every night. I got don't, don't have a Bible. I'm not going to church. I just overheard a guy say it, went in the other room, prayed the prayed prayer, and everything about my life started falling apart and falling apart. I mean, all this stuff that I had found that, that was what I did, who I was, just started being destroyed. And because I didn't have any information about who God really was, I didn't understand about the promises of God, I was tripping, going, what did you do to me? I just introduced you to, to God. He said, well, do you, uh, do you have the Holy Spirit? I said, I don't know what the heck the Holy Spirit is. What are you talking about? I just assumed you got that, right? I'm a good Lutheran. I was. <laughs> Trinity, right? That's about as far as I can tell you it went. He sat me down, he started talking to me, and I started understanding, and I started realizing, no, no, no it was him in my life, that, that he wasn't getting rid of a bunch of stuff. He was making room by taking things out so he could make room for other stuff that was right with him in my life, which as I started doing that, I started getting filled up what, what was lacking or behind in my life, and I was blown away at the blessings and the mercy of God. Big shift, big change in my outlook. But then I realized very quickly I needed to be the right kind of guy on a continuous basis to be putting myself in the right place so that he could bless me. I didn't do it to get the blessings because the blessings weren't always promised. I knew that I had to put myself in a place so he could bless me. And then if I was a good steward of the blessing, he says that I will, if, I, if you've been faithful in little, I'll, I'll make you faithful in much. I knew that he would, he would begin to give me more if I showed my faithfulness. See, I believe what this word says. I live my life according to what this word says. And many people want to believe a verse here and there for the moment, but they don't want to actually believe the, the you know, totality of what he says and the actual nature and the spirit of what he says about why we need to be you know, right with him. Now when it says, you get right with me, you seek ye first the kingdom of God, and you get right with me, I add all things unto you. Well, I don't know what you might be chasing, but I'm pretty sure that all things probably covered it. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so if he's going to give you all things once you're right with him, and you don't get into those things unless you are right with him, unless you go cheat and try to buy it yourself, right? But if you want him in Christ Jesus, you've got to be right with him, then he adds all things. So what was my entire job to be? Being right with him. And so I started focusing on what does it look like to be right with him and be under the disciplines of being right with him. And then taking other thoughts that I had and other actions that I'd had in the past and realizing were they going to serve this being right with him or not. And if they didn't, I realized I needed to get rid of them or at least 
have them, you know, tuned up to to the, the, the righteousness of God instead of carrying them out the way that I had carried them out. This didn't happen overnight. But it began and it happened every night and still does. Getting right with him, staying right with him is the most important thing in my life. Because then I'm available to access all that God has to offer. I get miracles and blessings put placed on me and things because I my number one focus is making sure I'm right with him. And I get to have the benefits of a, of a life that's so incredibly above and beyond anything I could ever have on my own. First and foremost, not because of the stuff. Because when I used to work, I had lots of stuff. I had lots and lots and lots of stuff. But I also had all the heartache with it and all the stress and all that stuff with it. I haven't been able to have stuff from him now and there's an absolute peace inside of me and I don't freak out or worry or stress about all these things because God's got this all under control. Amen. So for me, it was always I was chasing peace. So I started chasing peace. And I started chasing peace and I started doing things that kept me right with God so I could be available for that peace. And when the peace came, also came some, some, some large series of other riches that he was giving to me. But then I didn't have to freak out about, okay, my God, now what am I going to do with all this stuff? He gave it to me and I had the peace to carry on that, that business too. Which should be available to all of us if we submit, surrender, and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You will impoverish everything in the nature of our fictitious wealth until we learn that all our fresh springs, all our provisions are truly in him. If the majesty and the grace and the power of God are not being manifested in us, God says it's your fault. He holds you responsible. It means obviously you're not trying to be right. You're not being right. You got some agenda of your own you're pulling. God is able to make all grace abound, though. He can blow the doors off with grace if you just let him. But you've got to be right with him so he can. Then learn to lavish the grace of God on others. Then all of a sudden start sharing this grace with others so they can come and have an abundant life also. Amen. They want to know why you got hope. And then when you share the hope, and then all of a sudden they get a hold of it, and you can teach them how to have hope too. Pretty soon there's two of you or five of you, then 10 of you or, two, or 50 of you that have this hope of the riches of Christ Jesus because you're right with God. Be stamped with God's nature. And then all of a sudden the blessings of God are going to come through you all the time. But you're going to have to have God's nature. That means you can't run your own show, living your life your way, thinking that somehow or another God will, God will bless it because God won't. You need to be right with him. Turn to Romans 5. Start in the first couple verses of Romans 5. Romans 5, 1. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, this, this making a way where there is no way in our life, these gifts, this wealth that he's pouring out upon us. Wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we all glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation is going to work some patience. 
And then if I, as I patiently wait upon the Lord, I have experiences that show me that the waiting upon the Lord was worth it. And therefore I have hope, which is part of the riches. Because, my gosh, you know, we live through this life, we don't have any hope. You know, it doesn't matter how much money you got, you feel awful, right? So now the more, more important thing to me is the peace. I love that. The hope, I love that. And the grace of Him making ways where there are no ways, where I don't have to go out and do it myself. All of that combined is what the relationship begins to look like. The reason that I have a wealth far beyond anything the natural could ever give me. I said I've been a millionaire many times in my life and had lots of money in, had ridiculous amounts of money coming in. And you know, and something I was always, always chasing and always having to struggle. and always, There was no peace to it. I hated what was going on because I could never just have peace. Even if we got away for a weekend and came back, I had to come back. There's times like, I don't want to come back. Why? I know what I got. I got to go back to that crazy grind again. I hate that grind. What about how much money I had? Money couldn't buy the peace. What I love about it is I got the peace of God, then guess what came with it? Money. But it had to be done his way. Not only so, but we go in tribulations, also knowing the tribulation works patience. Patience gives us experience, and experience gives us hope. And that hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. So now I got the Holy Spirit too. 519. For as by one man's disobedience, many of us, all of us actually, were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. The obedience of Christ and us decided to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ means that obedience of Christ is what brought everything full circle and made righteousness for us. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. So the law came in to show us just how bad we had been being legally, you know, according to commandments, how many were breaking. So it came to show us that we needed a savior because we couldn't, we couldn't run this process against the commandments. But where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. So we had to decide, do I want to continue this legal perspective of trying to figure out how I'm going to do it? Or do I make a determination to get to know God and, and live that life and let him do it? Amen. So as I began to do that, grace abounded. That as sin has reigned unto death, so even so might grace now, our real riches, reign through righteousness into our eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. 6.1. What should we say then? Should we be foolish and continue in sin so that grace can abound? Here's the crazy thing. If I'm going to continue in sin, grace is going to abound for someone else. So if I want grace to abound for me, I can't continue in sin. So it says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live in sin any longer? If we're going to be dead to sin, we ought to be living in the grace now, right? And grace will continue to abound, still make a way where there is no way. But the problem is I'm not going to be a participant of it if I'm sinning. So I can't have this double life that we think we can get away with. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? 
Therefore we're buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, some of the riches, even so now we should walk in a newness of life, so we should be a partaker of this divine nature, and these riches should become ours too. Question comes down to us. How are we handling that life, right? For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. It's going to happen. Maybe it hasn't happened for you yet because you've been foolish enough to not give up the sin yet. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin should be destroyed, from now on, we're not going to serve sin. Well, I don't know that we've all made that decision yet, but we ought to. You want the abundance of God. You want the riches of God. You want him to grace and make a way where there is no way. Maybe we need to stop all stop sinning, right? For him that is dead to that sin is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For that he died, he died into sin once, but that he lives, he lives unto God. So likewise, for us, we ought to reckon ourselves also to be dead, indeed dead to sin. But alive unto God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we ought to believe that we're dead to that so it doesn't have any power anymore. That was our poorness, right? We have the riches now, and we get in the habit of staying in that place, and now we get to have this life, this abundant life full of grace. Because we decided to come out of that sinful nature and be separate. Make a choice, no more. Let not sin, therefore, then reign in your mortal body. If you've come out to do it, make sure you're not letting it sneak up on you and, and you yield to some old habit. That you should obey it in the luster of. Neither yield yourselves as members of unrighteousness. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive. So if I yield to God, God's going to teach me. He's going to guide me. He's going to lead me. He's going to make sure that I'm triumphant. That's part of the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry. You get to go to school and it's paid for. You're on a, you're on a, a, a what do you call them? Scholarship. scholarship. By the blood of Christ, you have a scholarship. For free. You get to learn how to live in the riches of God. Oh, bummer, right? That's just, that's just too bad. He's going, are you serious? I, I gave it to you. Now I not only give it to you, I want you to give you a scholarship. Why? Because now I need to teach you what it looks like and how to live that way. It's one thing to get it, right? Yes. It's another thing to figure it out. He's going to tell you, this is how you figure it out. This is how this works. He will walk you down the path so that you can learn and then live that way. As Jesus lived unto his Father, we can live unto God as well. But if no one teaches us how, we're just going to by accident, it's just going to happen? No. We still have free will. We have free will till the day we die. So if no one's making me or showing me how to do it, there's not much chance that I'm going to figure it out. So I'm probably not going to even do it even by accident, let alone ever on purpose. I'm going to need 
that scholarship I'm going to need the Holy Spirit to come and guide me and lead me and teach me, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, now guess what you have? You have a tutor. Who's paying for that? He is. Oh, look at there. Some more of the riches. We got, got a tutor now, right? He's paying for the tutor as well. That's for us people that are a little slow. Just because I'm looking at you doesn't mean I mean all you. Well, maybe I do. <laughs> Chapter 10, verse 8. What says it? The word is near you. The word is even in your mouth. And it's in your heart. And that's the word of faith which we preach. But you've got to make a habit of listening to the word. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So you've got to confess it and believe it. If you do, God's got you. For with the heart man believes in the righteousness with the mouth he confesses unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. See, there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek or anybody else. For the same Lord over all is rich. Uh-oh. Riches. Is rich unto all that shall call upon him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we get the riches by doing what? Calling upon him. So he's, he's got, daddy's got the ATM card. That's it. That's all I'm going to tell you. All right? Chapter 12, verse 1. So I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Die yourself and sacrifice that living towards God so God can use you and give you these riches. That you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That you be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. To start walking yourself down, believing little bits at a time that this is true, because you have to create a brand new habit of trusting God. But if you don't start recognizing and acknowledging it, it's really hard to create a new habit, isn't it? Yes. yes. Chapter 15, verse 7. Wherefore, receive you one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. He is... The truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this cause I shall confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing thy name. And again, he says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise you the Lord, all you Gentiles, and laud him, all you people. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, that he shall rise up to reign over the Gentiles. And in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope, Fill you with all joy and peace. There's that joy and peace again. Believing that this is true. That he may abound in hope through the power of this Holy Spirit. This comforter. He says, I'm going to give you all these gifts to hope and the, and, the, and the joy and the peace. I don't know about you. That's riches to me. Money can't buy peace. Money can't buy joy. And money sure can't buy hope. 
Someone always say, yeah, but it sure helps. I disagree. I've seen it ruin more people than I've ever seen make make people well. First Corinthians 1, verse 4. See, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Christ Jesus. I thank God just because I see the, the grace, the riches that he's given you. That in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So that you become behind in no gifts. Why? Because you are rich. Waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's not going to just get you there. He's going to confirm you day after day after day after day all the way to the end so that when the end comes, you'll be blameless on that day. God is faithful by whom we were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He's faithful to call us there and then through Christ Jesus have this, to me again, riches. He's going to help me. He's going to cause me to become triumphant. He sent his spirit to help me, help me do this. So the, 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 the real, the real uh, crux of the issue is, Lord, Lord I, I want to, to get my habit right with you of this wealth, but first of all, I have to get my idea what wealth is. Okay, it's not dollar bills. It can be, but that's not just it. But more importantly, how do I get in a habit of recognizing all these things? Well, let's identify them first, right? And then once we're identified, we realize what's really important to us. Right, you work hard, you go out, and you come home. And in just a couple minutes of peace, good, especially if you get off the freeway. Peace. It's just like, oh, Right? You guys get home from work, you, to, you know, put your PJs on or whatever. Oh my God, I feel so, so much, so much better than that that crazy making world we live in. Well, when you get the peace of God, the way you ought to get the peace of God, that crazy world doesn't affect you anyway. So you don't need to come home and kick your feet up or take a nap or relax for a minute. You can, but you really don't need to because the peace has been there. Oh, I had a really good day, so I got joy today. I'd like to have the joy of God, no matter if my day was wrong or bad, bad, bad or good. I want joy that is God, that He says is unspeakable. Why? Because you told somebody you were happy about what you just went through. They go, "You're out your mind, right?" You know, it's not unspeakable. Speakable as if we, that, you know, we can't say it. It's just no one to believe us. So I want joy. It's unspeakable. Peace that passes all understanding. I want hope in a world that doesn't have any. And to me, that's that's. Some pretty incredible riches. And they're all available through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit and through us walking out this walk the righteous way. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. See, for we were laborers together with God. We are God's husbandry. And you are God's building. So let's get it, let's get it all into control here that you're God's, no matter what. According to the grace of God, there it is again, that divine influence he's making, he's going to give us that riches, which is given to us as, to me, as a wide master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds upon that foundation. But let every man take heed how he builds upon that foundation. For another foundation can no man lay. Christ has been laid that's at the foundation is sure. That's a good, that's a good place to find hope right there, right? Yeah. Right? Now, if any man build upon this foundation... Gold or silver or precious stones, wood, hay or stubble. Every man's work by striving to be in this relation with God 
You think we might cut a few corners? Maybe. Think might we might settle for crumbs sometimes? Think might we might uh, uh, fall back into an old habit here or there? Well, he says, you can build with gold, silver, and precious stones. You can build it with hay, wood, and stubble. More important, think of all that is. They will declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And that fire is going to try every man's work of what sort it was, whether what you were really focusing on is the, the precious things in God or your, your just get by things of your life. If any man's work abide, though, he is built thereupon, he should receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, He's going to suffer a loss of all those things that weren't doing that. But he himself shall be saved through that fire. So I don't want to go build wrong things. I don't have to have a suitcase to carry around the gold, silver, and precious stones. My treasures are in heaven. They've already been translated and set apart up there for me. Where I'm going to be spending eternity, where... I'm going to be able to have a, a, a useful or need of those, right? Hey, with the stubble stuff that I carry around here. And he's going to burn it all up. You can get in, but you're going to get in by the skin of your teeth. That means when you get home, what treasures might you have? What treasures might you not have, right? All because you were still doing, trying to do Jesus your way. Not smart move on our part. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 12. For our rejoicing is this. The testimony of our conscience. In my mind, I know I'm doing the right thing. I'm my conscience, my spirit, I know I'm doing the right thing. That in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with our old fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, those riches have been made available to me, that we have had our conduct in the world and more abundantly to you. For we're going to write no other things unto you than what you have read or acknowledged, and I trust you shall acknowledge all the way, even up to the end. As also you've acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even so now you are ours in the day of the Lord. So we're all going to help each other, and we're going to rejoice when we get there, because we've all helped each other. I'll, I'll rejoice that you're there, you'll rejoice that I'm there, we'll rejoice that we helped each other get there. Because that's part of that, sharing the wealth, Right? 2 Corinthians 6, verse 3. So give no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. But all things approving ourselves as ministers of God. So we're going to take these things and we're going to start ministering God to other people. And we're going to minister God through that patience that we got over there through trials and tribulation, Right? We're going to have that patience. We're going to help them out in afflictions and necessities and their distresses. We're going to help walk them through their stripes and their imprisonments, their tumults, the things they're laboring for, the watchings where they're responsible for watching and fastings. We're going to help them come to know this riches of God. But we're going to do it through pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, knowing that we didn't just wave a magic wand and get there. It would take a while for us to get there, right? Yes. By kindness and by the Holy Ghost, by a love that is unfeigned or that love that is absolutely sincere. 
By the word of truth, telling each other the truth. By the power of God, not by anything we have to offer. By the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left. So we're going to start living in our righteousness that's going to help us minister to others. By honor and by dishonor. By evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true. People are going to talk all sorts of smack about you. Because you're going to make them look bad. You're walking out there. You're all stressed out, freaked out. You have the, this peace about you. There's a joy that's inside of you. You have this riches that God's giving you that these people can't relate to. And they're, they're killing themselves to try to get enough money to have riches. And you've got the riches that are, are in, in, invaluable. Because they're what, they're what is what's giving you your life. Right? As unknown and yet well-known, dying and behold, we live. As chastened and not, not killed. So chastened, why? Because we might do this wrong for a little bit. Because we're going to be learning, right? Yes. And it's like kids, you had to spank them a little bit once in a while when they were growing up. And we all did things you told them not to do. I'm sure we'll do the same thing. As sorrowful. Yet always rejoicing as poor. Yet making many rich. Not talking about how rich we are, but you know, not, you know, be, be, being willing to not show off, be poor in essence, but more importantly, is to make many others rich by helping them find the same gifts we have. As having nothing and yet possessing all things, which obviously makes us rich. We have to make some choices. So turn to me to chapter 8, verse 7. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in your faith, in utterance, your knowledge, you're abounding in your diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in grace also. I speak not by commandment, by the occasion of forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. And wherein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to, to be forward a, a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it. That there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. So you don't just talk about this, Richard. You don't just talk about helping others. You actually do it. You perform it. For if there was a first a willing mind, that's accepted according to what a man has, not according to what he has not. Is willing mind going to help others out of our riches that we have? No, we have, not what we have not. For I mean not that another man be eased, but you be burdened. But by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want. That their abundance also may be a supply for your want. That there would be an equality. As it is written, he that has gathered much has nothing left over. He that has gathered little didn't have any lack. Why? Because the riches 
of God, like I said, are without respect to persons. He's coming to give us what we need. 9, verse 6. But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, rather necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Say, I like that. What do I get in return for this life? All. Now, I don't know about you, the last time I had all, I was pretty rich. Didn't have to reach down my pocket and pull out a couple of, you know, dust bunnies or this, that, you know, I could reach in my pocket and pull out some money, right? Because God had provided for me in such a way that I could help other people. It is written, he that dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness is going to remain forever. That's our biggest point. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2 verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, is justified but by the faith of Jesus Christ, which we have believed in Jesus, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh ever be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is therefore Christ then the minister of sin? Ah, God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So now I've been given these riches. If I go do something foolish, I'm going to make myself this problem. I'm going be, to become my own worst enemy, right? For if I build again the things which I destroyed and make myself a transgressor, for the law, for the law I am dead to the law that I might live unto God. So I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life of which I now live, by, in, in, live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, which to me is real riches, who loved me and gave himself for me, so I don't frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So I have this grace that's coming to me, which has made me a, a wealthy man. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you, as he quickened, who are dead in trespasses and sins, were in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conduct in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is once again rich, this time rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. It was by grace that we ended up being saved. He's raised us up together, made us sit down in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his, kind, and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For of grace you've been saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not works, lest any man would try to brag and say it's him. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. 
So therefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles, the flesh who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision of the flesh by the hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens in the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God this world, but now, in Christ Jesus, who sometimes were far off or made near by the blood of Christ. So, even though once upon a time we didn't have access to these riches, now we do, by us accepting this life of Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. So I thank my God in every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests for you with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until right now being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Christ. Even as it meet for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart, as much as both in my bonds and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. You get to participate in the, in the wealth that God's given me. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you and all the bowels of Christ. And this I pray that you, your love may abound yet more and more in the knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ and the glory and the praise of God. Fruits of righteousness, more gifts, right? Yeah. Philippians 4, chapter 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again wherein you were careful but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want for I have learned that whatever state I'm in I'm content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ. Strength has been given to me. Notwithstanding, you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. Now the Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia to the church, they communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. No one did but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again in my necessity. But now, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I want to, not that I want to get a gift from you, but I just want to see if, if you, the Lord's touching you, if you're walking in the wealth and the riches of God that you're willing now to part, you know, participate in, and help other people. See, I have all, and, I'm, and I abound, he says. I am full. Having received of Aphrodite the things which were sent from you, a uh, odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. But my God shall apply all of your need and mine according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he is going to continue to share his wealth and his riches with us as it talked about in 2 Corinthians 9. All things and every good work all sufficiency, never lacking. My kind of riches, right? Yes. It's like there's, I got a nice, nice new boat. There ain't a hole in the bottom of it, right? First Thessalonians, 
chapter 3. Verse 12. Lord, make you to increase and abound in love towards one another and towards all men, even as you do towards you, as we do towards you, to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even the Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with his saints. Furthermore, then you, we beg you, brethren, that you exhort you by the Lord that as you have received of us how you ought to walk to please God, so you would abound even more and more. For you know that the commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even for your sanctification, that you'd abstain from fornication or idol worship. That every one of you should know how to possess this vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Let no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God has not called us to uncleanness, but he's called us to holiness. So we're looking at holiness as a gift as well, right? Second yes. Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all of the good pleasure of his goodness, and the work of faith with power. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. According to grace again of our God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's going to give you grace so you can go out and glorify his name in all that you think and say and do. See, I, I don't know about you, but when, 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 I, when I took this relationship on with Christ in my life, I understood that, you know, grace was misinterpreted, obviously. You know, it says, you know, something we didn't deserve. Um, instead, instead of divine influence. I saw the verse that said, God's going to cause me to become triumphant. I like, well, I like, he's going to make sure that I'm triumphant. Never once did it cross my mind that I should probably go look and see how he was going to do that. Right? Well, as I've gotten deeper and deeper in teaching over the years, I've begun to realize, I'd, I'd kind of like to know he's going to do this. Well, how does he do it? Well, you give your life to Jesus and the comforter is there. No, there's a lot of things involving his grace where he's making a way where there is no way so he's plowing a road for us that does not exist so that we can have the wealth from the kingdom means all of his glory honor and praise in our life to get us home there's not a price that we have to pay we're not divvying up shekels to buy a little bit of grace to get the field plow he said i'm going to do this all you got to know is that the grace is going to abound. Stick with me, and I will make that way where there is no way for you to go all the way home. And that's a free gift that he's given to us. And we have a tendency to forget that that's a free gift given to us. And we keep thinking what we got to do. And we actually, uh, in my shame him when we decided we got to go do something for this. As opposed to just standing in his grace and letting him, letting him baby us. Let him spoil us a little bit and help us get home. Now granted, we have a part to play, right? Yes. Righteousness. Obedience. But we played the other part. Unrighteousness and disobedience didn't have, didn't have any qualms at all. And I wasn't born into unrighteousness. I wasn't born into disobedience. I learned how to be those things. I had to practice them. 
Better yet, I learned how to practice how I can be disobedient and unrighteous and let no one know. <laughs> you know, put on a show like, hey, I was, I'm good. I'm not doing anything wrong. Now God said, I want you to practice righteousness and I want you to practice obedience. But I need to see those things in your walk because others need to see those things through you. So that's a blessing. I'm going to give you what you need so you can. But then part of your part of your life is to be that living sacrifice to show others what it looks like so they can too. So the riches, um, even though it was a free gift, had a small price to pay, right? Yeah. Titus chapter 2. Yeah, we do. Second Thessalonians 1 and 11. Wherever we always pray always for you that our Lord God would count you worthy of this calling and fill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and that you and him according to the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Going back down to, to Titus. We're going to go to Titus chapter 2. Start verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So there's something what? Teaching us, right? Yes. Free, free lessons. Looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify in himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And these things I want you to speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority, and let no man despise thee. I want you to take this gift, this part of the wealth, and I want you to take and use it for righteousness. Second, I mean, first Peter, I'm sorry. Chapter 2. You and I are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification and Him setting us apart of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. Grace unto you and let that peace be multiplied. I want grace and peace multiplied. Blessed be the God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, uh-oh, wealth, incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in this last time. So it's not even done revealing it to us yet. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now if need be for a season, you're in heaviness through some manifold or temptations of your life, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold, that prepares as though it be tried with fire, might be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus. So now he says, this is more precious than gold. So this is some serious riches and wealth. Whom having not seen you love, and whom now, though you see him not yet, you believe, you rejoice with that joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And you receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Chapter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. So be you there.